We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now, because we have a very special announcement to make, is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And we're super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley Sunglasses. Not the city of Oakley. That's where I live. Oakley Sunglasses. Like, you go to oakley.com and you buy glass. That's them. They're sponsoring the pod. Super excited about it. And Chris, I don't know about you, but I came into Oakley's when I was like 12 when I got like really got like into baseball heavily playing year round and stuff. And that was like a prerequisite to being on the travel team. It's like, dude, you got to have the, the flack Oakley's the half, the half frame that you put on your hat when it wasn't sunny is the best. There was never really it like, it felt like there's never been a cottage industry of something fake. Like, like the Oakley's were, like I don't know if you ever walked around like downtown San Francisco when you were a kid and like every single table that was up on Market Street selling these random goods a bunch of them would have like fake Oakley sunglasses like and that just sort of speaks to you know the impact that Oakley's had on the sunglass industry that like totally. people were just making ripoffs hoping to make a buck and yeah. like I bought a you know cuz I was on on allowance at that point Sure. And and playing baseball and like was super jealous of anybody who actually had the real ones. Um, and like the, there were there were like the jacket frames, right? That like right. covered half your frames, you kind half your face, you kind of look like Darth Vader. And you go on oakley.com now, and there are like so many different kinds of of those like big frames that you can wear for sports and stuff. The corridors yeah. and the sutros, bro. I might cop. The the radar EV paths, just kind of the old school, like yes. it, you know, like the just just those. I don't even know what the what what you call that style of sunglasses, but like they have clear ones. Like I wonder, I wonder if you could get like for for a nerd like me who has uh who has prescription glasses. Like, could you sure. get a prescription in the clear ones? That would be pretty dope. The glasses aren't what make you a nerd, by the way. No, no, I mean the <laughs> ones I'm wearing make me a nerd. Sure. If I were to get some Oakleys, I could step out of that nerddom no for doubt. sure. But I have Holbrooks. It, I've been rocking the Holbrooks for a long time. Yeah, They're my favorite nice. sunglasses. Those are nice. Um, the you know who else wears, Those are in right now. The Sutros are still fire. Yeah, dude, I I love them so much. Uh, and of course, as you know, Debo Samuel, our guy, friend of the show, 
Rocks Oakley's. And my personally, you know, Chris, you and I talk about this all the time, the prism technology, the prism lens technology. You, I mean, we love to pop open a beer and just rap about the, the prison lens technology. That's proprietary technology to Oakley, available for everyday settings as well. I wore my Holbrook Oakley sunglasses out doing yard work today. You don't even need to be barbecuing or out like playing a sport. Like maybe you golf or you run and you rock your Oakleys for that. Uh, I was doing yard work today. Popped them on because you can also do that. Uh, if you want to learn more, and I know you do, you can head to oakley.com. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday sunglasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. Like Chris... Your look would be changed for the better if you got some prescription Oakleys. Yeah, absolutely. And that you can get customized glasses. I'm looking at their website right now. The whole book, you can can get them in 19 different colors. You can get the Radar EV Paths in 19 colors. You can get the Sutros in 16 colors. Yes. It's kind of bananas, all the options. One One of my favorite things to do in college was go to the mall and go to the Oakley store and customize sunglasses. And then I never bought them. I would stand there and I'd customize these sick ass glasses. I never got them. But now that I have the means, I might. I'm going to go to oakley.com right now and find myself a pair that I love. Because when you wear Oakley, there's really more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. I mean, you should, but don't just trust me on this. Try it for yourself. I've worn so many sunglass brands in my life. Just oodles. And I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Let's get to the pod. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. roster today and figure out what positions they will have new starters at what positions they might have new starters at and we're going to be doing all this i don't know if you can hear the fan in the background right now but it's heat beating season dog we are in uh we are in mid 90s territory brutal you step outside as late as 6 7 p.m may or may not have been on the driving range after going to do some reporting hitting the range on the way home, threw some sunscreen on, just just trying to beat it. But I think the Heat beat me today. I feel like Same. I feel like I did not win the battle against the Heat, but we're going to bounce back strong. We got we got a lot of time to to build up our heat tolerance. We got a lot of time to continue hydrating. The good news is with the Heat means there's sun and you can rock your Oakleys. Absolutely. Shout out to Oakley. <laughs> Absolutely. Shout out to Oakley. So let's take a look at this roster. The Niners are going to have new starters. Not a ton of turnover, but a handful of positions that will have new starters and then a couple that that might, and we'll discuss those as well. But let's start at the top. Uh, On the offensive side, maybe we'll switch kind of offense-defense here, although I guess we can't really. But anyways, right tackle is the figuratively and literally biggest hole on the 49ers depth chart. Mike McGlinchey left in free agency, signed a huge deal with Denver. Shout out to Mike. And I thought for sure the Niners were going to do something to bring in some real competition for Colton McKivitz 
at the position. They signed him to a two-year restricted free agent deal this offseason. So he's locked up for the next couple of years, which seemed to be a vote of confidence that McKivitz is going to be the guy moving forward. But I thought surely they would pick a player in the draft who they thought could maybe push McKivitz this year. Because when you look at their roster, there's not a ton of players on the roster who are going to go do that. Daniel Brunskill is also gone now in in Tennessee. And their depth at, at, at tackle isn't great. And it seems to be that McKivitz is going to be the guy. Yeah, and this goes back to, you know, the front office and and the trust that they show in some players. And it's a big question as to whether it's warranted or whether they're making a mistake, right? Because after 2018, we talk about it a lot, didn't take any pass rushers in the draft, didn't really do anything in free agency. And they told us that, well, it's tough to beat out Cassius Marsh, right? And there was no more replacement (laughs) level defensive end in the league than Cassius Marsh. Um, you know, they've, they've done it at cornerback. Um, they, you know, they did at various points throughout this 49ers regime, they've, they've sort of let positions go unaddressed by putting mm-hmm. faith in guys. Um, and it's, it's come back to bite them in 2020, the cornerback or 2021, the cornerback situation was a disaster until the young guys started to come on late. Remember, Josh Norman had to play a bunch um, and they they address the position in the draft, but they were they they were just a little too content with coming into the season with Jason Verrett as like their number one guy. Um, yeah. Obviously, that came back to bite him and that led to uh, making a big investment in cornerback last offseason. But no, like right tackle. Look, we're going to know right away. Right. Week one, they got TJ Watt on the schedule in Pittsburgh. You know, they got Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, who looked like a possible star late in the season for the Giants. No relation to Tom. (laughs) He's playing. He's coming to Levi's Stadium week three. You're going to have Micah Parsons week five. Week six, you're going to have Miles Garrett. Like, you know, if there's if receiver is probably the most stacked position in the league, well, you can make a case that, you know, defensive end and pass rusher is a pretty stacked position as well. And the 49ers are always going to be going against a lot of really talented pass rushers. So Colton McKivitz isn't really going to have any place to hide. Now, I think he's probably a league average right tackle. Sure. Um, But, you know, league average right tackles can give up some big sacks on third downs. And and that's the the thing is you and I have talked about this on the podcast before, and there's a lot of fans who will disagree, but I think there's going to be a noticeable difference at times that Mike McGlinchey is not on the right side. Particularly in the running game. Yeah, and it might not, and that's the thing, like in the running game, it might not be super noticeable because if McKivitz is as good as as McGlinchey as a pass blocker, would that stun you? That personally for me wouldn't wouldn't shock me if there's not a huge difference in, in pass pro. But I do think the run game is going to look a little bit different because of how dominant McGlinchey was on that side. But McKivitz has had a really fascinating path because remember so he got drafted in 2020 and played some in 2020 but they drafted him to play guard and that didn't work out great so he got cut at the beginning of 2021 and then wound up on the practice squad and then wound up back on the active roster and in a must win week 18 game he started against at left tackle against the rams yeah and did you know he wasn't great but he he held his own and was good enough for them to win and now he's just going to be their starting right tackle which 
to the point you just made, I, I guess you kind of have to give the front office and the coaching staff a little bit of the benefit of the doubt at this point. But that's also something that maybe it'll be fine. The offensive line for the most part last year was was fine. But it could also be kind of catastrophic. <laughs> Like it could go really poorly, and they don't have any options behind him. Like that's the thing that sticks out to me. So if he it, doesn't play well, is it Matt Pryor or Jalen Moore? It's just not nothing super inspiring at, at at tackle behind him. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But I, I will say to one of the benefits of Kyle Shanahan is that his offense and. Just, just really prioritizes getting the ball out quickly, right? Like there are a lot of design plays where the sure. ball snapped and within two beats, it's out. And sure. whether it's a bubble screen to Debo Samuel or um, a quick passing play on a slant, right? Like there are all sorts of different ways that Kyle Shanahan throughout his time as a 49ers play caller has, you know, dealt with injuries at one of the tackle spots. I remember there was, there was that game in 2019 against the Rams. It was a road game where, you know, they were playing pretty well. And I think Mike McGlinchey was hurt and Kyle Juszczyk was hurt. They were both out with knee injuries. And it was like, man, how are the 49ers going to sort of slow down this Rams pass rush? It was a big talking point going in. And I think even after that game, Colton McKivitz had to start. Or no, was it McKivitz or was it... Um, no, I think it was the other guy who had to start against Miles Garrett in the Justin Browns. Justin School. Justin School, thank you. Um, and those were, were kind of non-issues in those games because mm-hmm. the 49ers were running the ball really well and they were getting the ball out. Like, here's the thing. But that, they have to play, ahead. they have to play a certain game script in order to negate a pass rush, right? Like mm-hmm. if they're down by 20 points and every other play has to be a five-step drop then yeah, you're going to be at a real dif- disadvantage if you don't have a good pass blocking right tackle. Mm-hmm. But if you're dictating the game and your defense is dominating like the 49ers expect theirs to, if you're running the ball well, if you're utilizing play action, if you're getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly on designer pass plays, then you could really negate having a less than spectacular pass blocking right tackle and that's sort of what Kyle Shanahan's good at but it limits you because if you're down 17 points in the second half of a game it's a hell of a lot harder to come back than it would be if you had an elite pass blocking offensive line so that's kind of that's kind of where I land is is your your point is well taken but that stretch where they were without Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey was like a a small handful of games I think it was four games yeah that's not 17 games and then maybe the playoffs. And I also understand the the point about the game script, but you if your if your entire ability to win a game relies on being ahead and being able to run the ball effectively, you're going to you're going to run into a wall eventually. Well, the foreigners have. <laughs> no, I know. I know. And that's that's kind of what I'm that's kind of what I'm getting at here is if they're if they're not if they didn't invest at right tackle, maybe they think Colton McKivitz is going to be awesome and and uh, okay, but if he's not, it puts them in a spot where they have to do what you're talking about, and now 
defenses are able to defend them the same way they did when it was Jimmy Garoppolo back there because they don't have time to stretch the field. They don't have time to to do anything creative. You know, that that works in in one week against the Rams at one time. Was it 2020 where Jimmy Garoppolo came back from the injury and had like more yards after the catch than air yards or yeah. something? And all Debo like Samuels that. touches were on pop passes. Right. So <laughs> like that like works for a eight, game. Eight catches or whatever and a, and a bunch of yards after the catch on pop passes. Yeah. And his, his dot was like negative two and a half or something. <laughs> Ridiculous. But yeah, it's, I don't think that's sustainable over a 17 game season. So Colton McKibbitz needs to be good. Yeah. I or think, it might be a rough year. I think if you want to zoom out and make this more of a macro discussion, I think that's kind of the 49ers flaw, like even when they were contending. It was like the games would have to go a certain way for them to win because they weren't really, they were never a team built to come back, right? Like to, to throw the ball 20 times and a half and come back from a big deficit and win. Like we know the numbers, like Kyle Shanahan is what one comeback victory when being down double digits going into the fourth quarter or something like that. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. So they're just not a team that's built that's built to do that. And I think this sort of decision sort of highlights that idea. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the offensive line wound up being fine for the most part last year, but this, the, the, the new starting right tackle, I get why they let McGlinchey go. That was not necessarily the incorrect move. Their lack of depth there with, with a new first time starter is is the concerning part let's jump over to the other side of the ball and talk about defensive end with samson able come out the door he signed with the colts and free agency i'm guessing it's drake jackson is the new starter opposite nick bosa although it may be one of those things where it's kind of like basketball style it's not about who starts it's who finishes kind of thing and maybe they just write a hot hand or it's a rotation based on the week i don't know but it it feels a lot like right tackle where okay you're gonna you're gonna give the keys to an unproven player which may or may not work but again the depth behind him if drake jackson doesn't break out this year i don't know what they do well you got cleveland furl you that, got you do you got carrie hyder austin bryant Austin Bryant. Also, they could sign a free agent too. Guys like Justin Houston and Frank Clark and Yannick Ngakwe are all free agents still. Yeah, they could. They could see how things look in training camp. I, I tend to think like if it's in base and they're expecting a run, right? It'll probably be Cleveland Furl playing big end. Yeah. And then if, you know, if it's nickel or if it's and you go to, you know, a NASCAR package or whatever. It Nice, dude. Yeah, for sure. Big football guy. It's uh, Drake Jackson. So I just, yeah, I think this is, like, if you if you look at young players on this team who have a lot of pressure to play well and play at a high level and contribute to winning, aside from McKivitz, I think Jackson might be number two if this is a non quarterback discussion yeah yeah of course right? because i mean i'm 
maybe there isn't pressure on him because he's going to be on a defensive line with Nick Bosage of Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead. Mm-hmm. But the Niners need Drake Jackson to be good. Yes. Because the entire point of their defensive line is to not have any weaknesses, to not have just one weak spot, to be problematic right. for offenses at each spot. And for four quarters. You know, part of me wonders too, like, if Javon Kinlaw, I mean, who knows? Like, Javon Kinlaw playing well this year has found money. Yes. But without a true, like, big physical defensive end, like Charles Amenahu, right? He's gone. Mm-hmm. He's playing for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, the 49ers have liked to have a big edge-setting defensive end. And, and, and frankly, I think Samson Abukam was probably underrated at setting the edge. He wasn't a huge defensive end. Like, he was 255. Right. But like pretty good run defender. Right. But previously, before they had him, you remember Eric Armstead was starting a lot of games at defensive end. Yes. Just to stop the run. In 2019, yeah. Yeah, and then he would kick inside and pass rush from the inside when they would bring D. Ford in. But Drake Jackson is much more like D. Ford than an Eric Armstead. So that'll be worth keeping an eye on, like, you know, if Javon Kinlaw comes in and plays well, does that allow them to play Eric Armstead at defensive end and base downs? Sure. And then you have Javon and Javon on the inside with Nick Bosa at one of the end spots. So I think Drake Jackson has a lot of pressure on him, but he's super talented. He's super athletic. And he's in like an ideal scenario. Like that's yeah. that's an amazing defensive line to be on. I'm buying any Drake Jackson stock that anybody wants to sell right now because one of the things coming out of college for him was he switched positions a lot and his body had to change so much that I think he just went into last year in a weird spot physically. And now he's had a full off season with an NFL nutrition program and an NFL training program. Like the athleticism's there. You saw the flashes of it last year. I think he just needed to, and Steve Wilkes talked about it in his presser, he needed to get bigger and stronger, and that's what he's been working on this offseason. And if he can do that, I think he has the body and the skill set to play the run, and maybe it won't be a big deal, but I think he's the guy they're leaning on. I don't think they brought in Cleveland Furl or Austin Bryant to be a starter. Like, it's Drake Jackson. Yeah, it should be. It should be, but maybe I could Robert also see... Maybe gets it done. <laughs> maybe. Great burst. Super burst. Really good GTFO. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I I wonder, I think that's what gonna be one of the questions for Drake Jackson all season is is he going to be a pass rushing specialist or a well rounded player? Correct. And my bet would be he's just kind of a pass rushing specialist. And then, you know, maybe it's Kerry Hyder, right? Like maybe he's sort of the big end who plays the run. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. You know, maybe it's Austin Bryant, but yeah, that's certainly something worth monitoring because I do think Samson Ebukam was kind of underrated, just like a good player. Yeah, no, he's really, he's really, really good. I do kind of wonder though. I get not wonder, but I have a hard time doubting Chris Kasurik at this point. Yeah, I would say he has as much equity as any position coach in the league. I, I, I can see the right tackle thing not working out. And having it just be something that is, I think it's not going to derail them. They're not going to win six games because of the right tackle. But 
<laughs> well, I could see it being a, I could see it being a spot. Well, yeah, I could see it being a spot where they do lose a game, and it's the talking point is man they could not slow down X pass rusher, and from from that right tackle spot, right. So, I I I have a harder time seeing a scenario where we're in week eight and we're talking about how the Niners defensive line just can't get any pressure or the Niners can't stop the run. They did have the Atlanta game last year where they just Nick Bosa didn't play. Yeah, he was out, out, but they just couldn't set the edge at all. And I think Drake also was part of that. Not to, this is not, I'm with you. Samson becomes a good player. He looked in that game like he'd never defended a read option in his life. <laughs> that was a tough watch. That was a tough. That was a I don't, tough. Watch. I don't remember a great game for Charles and Menahu in that one either. No, nobody, nobody played particularly well. No. Let's jump into the second level of the defense and talk about Sam linebacker. This is the one position out of all of these we have Sam linebacker and then two more where I genuinely have no idea who's going to play that spot. It could be Oren Burks. It could be Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. It could be D. Winters, the draft pick. It could be the other draft pick, Jalen Graham. It could be Marcelino McCrary Bull, who was an undrafted rookie last year, who spent the year on on the practice squad. It you could tell me any of those players starts at Sam, and I would believe you. Yeah, I would agree. I think this one is pretty. Like I kind of look at linebacker in the same way as running back, like. I think of of all the positions on the field, I think those are the two that it's the easiest to come in right away yes. and sort of just play football. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. like cornerback, you have to understand coverages. And obviously linebacker, there's an element of understanding coverages too and calling defenses and everything like that. But like when the ball snapped and handed off, you're just kind of playing football. Like yeah. it's, you know, you're filling lanes. You know what your gap and you, you have to have gap integrity. That's another big nice, football dude. guy word. Yeah. Um, but like running I back discipline. running back, like once you get handed the ball, it's all just intuitive for a lot of mm-hmm. these guys. Like it's why there's so many so instinctual? many good instinctual. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's why like you see so many good young running backs in the league and why teams so often decide not to invest heavily in them. Because it's just like, once you get the ball, yeah, go do your thing. You don't need like, you don't need to know the intricacies. You don't need to be Richard Sherman knowing every single route combination based on splits and tendencies and everything like that. Like when you're playing linebacker. Fred Warner does and it helps. No, it definitely (laughs) helps. But I I think like if you're a rookie, if you're D Winters, like I don't see any reason why Winters couldn't come in and win that job. No doubt. No, or I'm, even Jalen Graham. So did you read Matt Barrow's piece yes. where he talked to Scott McLuhan? And Scott McLuhan loves him some Jalen Graham, which makes me really interested in him because I I value Scott McLuhan's opinion on, on football players. He drafted Patrick Willis. Right. And Pretty good player, FYI. You could make an argument. He drafted Navarro Bowman. He was, respo- he was partly responsible for the Navarro Bowman pick. And... With the way I'm looking at the Sam linebacker and the reason it, it, because that player is not going to be on the field a ton, but Dre Greenlaw has two years left on his deal. He has 2023 and then 2024. And my guess is after that 2024 season, if he continues 
ascending the way he's ascending as a player, he's going to be a little bit rich for the 49ers blood at that point. And if they're projecting that out where they're going to lose Dre Greenlaw in two years, they would like that Sam linebacker to follow the Dre Greenlaw path and start at Sam and then move over to Will and just kind of take off from there. So that's why that matters to me. Yeah. Because whichever player grabs that starting job, if they are good as a Sam linebacker right away, I think you can plug him in as their their future Will linebacker. Yeah, and Aziz Alshire started a bunch of games. Right. Because Dre Greenlaw was hurt. So there's right. a good chance, like, if Dre Greenlaw continues to to deal with injuries, like, you're going to see D. Winters or Curtis Robinson, Jalen Graham, Marcelino McCurry Ball, whoever, like, wins that job mm-hmm. could be starting a lot of games. Oren yeah. Burks. Yeah. You know, so that's... I really like Oren Burks a lot, by the way. Yeah, I... I don't know if he's if he's a starting linebacker. I think he's a good, certainly a good special teams guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think he's going into training camp comfortable. Put it that way. The other, oh no doubt. I think if I if you're putting a player with like the inside track, I guess it's probably Flanagan Fowles just because he's been around and knows the defense. But the the other piece of this that I'm interested in and I don't think we'll know for, for a couple of years, but I think part of the reason the Niners and I've talked about this on the pod before, I think part of the reason the Niners have had so much success at linebacker with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and, and then Aziz Alshire is because they had D'Amico Ryan's there, who is a terrific yeah. linebacker, a very good linebackers coach and helped develop those guys. I'm interested to see if the development at that position stays the same. Yeah. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it was just good drafting, and I, I, good I'm not totally sure. But that's the other kind of aspect of this that I'm I'm really interested to see. But that's that's a position I'm watching very closely in camp for sure because I have no idea who the starter is going to be. Let's stay. Jalen Graham's going to going to have a big preseason. It's my prediction. If Scott McLuhan is right, I agree with you. I really like D. Winters when I was watching him. He's very, very fast, but he's also super undersized. Jalen Graham has has more size for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about nickel corner. Jimmy Ward was the nickel corner last year, and we've talked about I don't really want to relitigate the whether that was a good idea or a bad idea. But he has since gone. Diameter Lenore, who's well, Samuel Womack, who started the season there, lost his starting job after two weeks, and Diamador Lenore took over. But then Diamador Lenore kicked outside when Emmanuel Mosley tore his ACL. And that's when Jimmy Ward came back and played the nickel corner spot. So the Niners this offseason went and signed Isaiah Oliver from the Falcons, who started his career as an outside corner, moved to the slot. But he tore his ACL in 2021 and only played, I think, four games. He played 12 games last year after returning from that injury. He's the presumed starter at nickel. But I think the 49ers have options there. Because Diamond Orland Oregon kick inside, and you and I both on, on Samuel Womack Island, I've followed you there. <laughs> so I think they're actually in a pretty good spot at the nickel. And Miles Hartsfield, yeah. Oh, Miles Hartsfield, great point. Friend of the pod. Friend of the show. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think Samuel Womack kind of maybe hit a rookie wall kind of early on. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> two weeks in. Um, but no, I, I think he still has an opportunity for sure. Um, but yeah, you look at it, whether it's Lenore, Womack, Hearts, Hartsfield, Oliver, they, it feels like they have more options than they have previously because in the past it's been like kind of K1 Williams and then like Dante Johnson, <laughs> You know, like they they and, haven't and had Mosley can play inside. Yeah, but he he just never did, right? Right, right. So it was their depth at nickel always sort of felt hypothetical, and then last year it was like, well, we don't really have any, so we're going to put Jimmy Ward there. Mm-hmm. Um. So I they do they do have options. Um. The one thing with nickel, I think you can mask that, like if. You know, who knows how good Isaiah Oliver is going to be. But I think you can mask a nickel if you just have, like, obviously really good coverage linebackers, right? Really good pass rush. And then good corners and safeties around them. Like, you don't need the best nickel in the league if that's how your defense is built. So I I think the Niners are in a pretty good spot, and they do have depth. Um, I would say Oliver's probably going to start, but it wouldn't really surprise me if at any point, you know, Samuel Womack had to, I think. Um, and maybe Womack's just going to be a special teams guy. But they do have more options this year. I think you're right. I'd be pretty surprised if Isaiah Oliver didn't start. Yeah. I think that would mean he either got hurt or something catastrophic happened where he just can't play football anymore and is not good at football anymore. But they signed into a multi-year deal. So I think he's the guy they identified. Steve Wilkes called him the best available slot corner in free agency. He played against him twice a year when when Wilkes is in, in Carolina and Oliver was playing for Atlanta. I think Isaiah Oliver is is good. And if he's healthy, I think he starts 17 games and, and does a fine job. It's a second round last, pick. Yeah. Yeah, out of uh, Perry, huh. Arizona? Colorado. Yeah, but he went to college in, in Arizona. Or high school, I mean. Went to high oh, school yeah, in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, Doesn't yeah. matter. So, yeah. Um, Brophy Prep. Brophy, there it is. Obviously. Yeah, who's, I mean, who doesn't Who doesn't know that? The, the other thing that we've talked about before on the pod, but just to kind of tie this back to the linebacker thing, they lost Amigo Ryans as a linebacker guy. Steve Wilkes is a defensive backs guy. So I'm fascinated to see if we see extra or or more rapid development from the Niners corners. Yeah. But that's a kind of separate thing. The last one is kicker. Or <laughs> either Jake Moody or Zane Gonzalez will be the starter this year. Well, it's not the last one. Well, it's we, the last like surefire one. We have our Oakley spotlight. Yeah, we got a we got a spotlight and then some other some other positions that may or may not have new starters. But the one position left that will have a new starter in 2023 is kicker. And it'll be either Jake Moody or Zane Gonzalez. <laughs> oh man, if it's not Jake Moody, what a disaster that would be. I so my goal going into the season as somebody who's on a podcast talking about football is to talk about the kicker the least amount possible. 
I don't find kicker conversations interesting. It we really, have at least two listeners that are living and dying on our Jake Moody <laughs> takes, though. It's really annoying when like good teams or good seasons are derailed just by kicks. You know, like we do, we we put a lot of effort into like talking about football and talking about everything <sighs> that impacts winning and losing. That's not the kicker. So when it is the kicker who's losing you games, then that can be really frustrating selfishly. Um, did you did you see what the Cowboys special teams coordinator said about their kicker? What did he say? Because you remember Brett Maher missed all those extra points in the playoffs. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then had one blocked against the Niners. And it was just a whole disaster. Yeah. He was he said something to the effect of, I will consider literally any other person on the planet at kicker (laughs) like coaches don't even like kickers kyle shanahan i mean that was the thing like kyle shanahan just drafted this kicker for just peace of mind like he hates scouting kickers he's just like and openly talked shit about his own pick (laughs) he's like yeah "Yeah, we could have taken a running back but we had to take his this kicker All my friends are making fun of me, and I would make fun of me too. Like, oh my god! Yeah, John Lynch being like, no one in the room was pumped. I don't <laughs> want to keep relitigating that, but um, it, no, we can't. That's funny. That's funny as hell. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be. <laughs> Hopefully, he's just good. If he's if good, Jake, and we Jake, don't have to break he... down Jake Moody, then that's great. I mean, everybody I know who goes to Michigan or has gone to Michigan is already building his hall of fame boss. So yeah, I don't know anybody really well. Who's gone to Michigan. So well, I haven't heard yeah, anything you, of, of you that. Hang out, like, you hang out with like smart people. <laughs> I've I went to a California state school. I'm just, I know, I've got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, college football. Am I right? Totally. I think uh, it, is it time for I the Oakley spotlights? I love all of our friends that, go to and have gone to Michigan. Yes, of course. I'm I'm in jest speaking of our, our good they friends. They're wonderful, brilliant people. Anyways. <laughs> my friend Jose also went to Michigan. It's time for the Oakley Spotlight of the Week. Yeah, it's a new segment where we are going to spotlight <laughs> one player, one thing, one position, just something that's going on in the world of, of the 49ers that we want to put a spotlight on. It's presented by Oakley. Make sure to get yourself some Oakleys today at oakley.com. And today's spotlight of the week is the 49ers quarterbacks. Since at quarterback, they'll likely have a new starter this year. Maybe. (laughs) To break the season, at least. Although, like, technically, right, they might have a new week one starter, but they had three starters last year, and two players on their roster could be the starter so like they might have a new one i'm being harassed by uh by the dog currently she's really into this conversation um okay what's her thoughts uh lily lily got just started getting turned up a little bit with the with the discussion about about quarterbacks in week one um big sam Darnold supporter i hear yeah no she's she's all in on the most talented thrower of the football the 49ers have ever had um No, I, okay, here's a question for you. So Brock Purdy, John Lynch said that Brock Purdy's been, he's at the 49ers facility taking part in OTAs. 
He's not throwing, obviously. He's doing other he's doing everything else. He's gonna start throwing in June, at which point they'll have a better idea of what his long-term prognosis is. I would say it sounds a little bit more positive than it did back in like February and March. When mm-hmm. you had like the 49ers kind of crossing their fingers and hoping he would be ready to start the regular season. And delaying his surgery because of swelling. <laughs> <laughs> And at one point, Kyle Shanahan saying, yeah, it could be week four. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It does sound more positive now, though. Right. Based on what John Lynch has been saying, it sounds like they're expecting Brock Purdy to be available, at least in some part of training camp. Yeah. All the beats are there of him progressing as they are hoping he would as they were hoping he would progress. So the question I wanted to ask you. If you were to set the over say you're an odds maker if you were to set the over under on starting quarterbacks for the 49ers this season would you have it at one and a half and you have to set it at one and a half two and a half two and a half people are going to hammer the the under and you're going to get hosed too big much time too much money coming in on the under yeah so you Whereas think one and a half one and a half you're going to get pretty even pretty even action given that they've started three quarterbacks in four of Kyle Shanahan's six seasons yes yeah I think that I think that's probably right what would you would you bet over under oh one and a half yeah over yeah I would too (laughs) see maybe see okay maybe two and a half is the right number because if if Brock Purdy gets a let's say he's healthy and starts week one and he gets a concussion on a Sunday and they play that Thursday, they're going to have another starter. I was thinking, I was thinking over under as like starting a stretch or a bulk of game, like a starter as a stretch. But if one guy starts one game and Purdy starts the other 16, it hits you. So two and a half is probably right. So, and that I would take the under though. Okay, so the the interesting thing about it, let's just, okay, Brock Purdy's probably going to start week one. Hopefully, knock on wood, he's healthy all year. We don't have to keep having the quarterback discussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll inevitably, inevitably keep having this discussion. It's going to happen. Say That's Brock why it's our Purdy, spotlight. Say Brock Purdy is not healthy in time or throwing the ball with enough with enough zip in time to for Kyle Shanahan to feel good about starting him week one at Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. good defense, by the way. Yes. Really well coached defense too. What's the leash on Trey Lance or Sam Darnold? How long is it? I think it depends a little bit because on, on the productivity of the other quarterback. If Sam Darnold is the QB two coming out of coming out of camp, and so he's going to start week one and Darnold's backup and Darnold throughout camp in the preseason has just been erratic and all over the place and just doesn't look good. Then I think Lance gets a longer leash and, and vice versa. But I think, I think it's a couple games. I don't think you can go, Hey, 10 AM start week one against Pittsburgh, a really good defense and it doesn't go well. Okay. You're done in week two. I don't think you can do that. The only time Kyle Shanahan's had a short leash with quarterbacks is when it's been his backup. His backup quarterback. I don't know. Nick Mullins had a long leash in 2020. 
he was really bad for a lot of weeks. Yeah, I guess. But I guess their other option was CJ Beathard. He was even worse. So right, like that's <laughs> that's the thing. Like Jimmy Garoppolo had his leash felt like. I mean, his leash got short when they drafted Trey Lance, but even then. But was the it first, ever short? Well, I, I was going to say they addressed Jimmy Garoppolo's leash by drafting Trey Lance, but even after the fact, the leash was kind of long. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even as bad as Garoppolo was earlier in tw- early in 2021 for for spells, they were never just like, okay, you're one bad start away from going to Trey. It was like, no, they stuck with Jimmy like pretty yeah. heavily. And that's the thing is if they're picking one, if they're if they're picking a starter for week one it's the player they feel the best about and they're going to give him uh, i would imagine at least three games to figure it out especially since especially since they go road pittsburgh road la and then thursday home against the giants yeah trying to make a quarterback change in that short week would be brutal yeah so yeah well the hey. point of this spotlight is to spotlight the fact that Brock Purdy, despite all of the discussion, might be fine and ready to go come training camp. But we also, we were talking about this before the podcast. <laughs> you can't take off the table that Trey Lance lights it up and becomes a really enticing option for them. Kyle Shanahan said a lot of really nice things about Trey Lance at Yoko's event. He did. Said the best so, he's ever looked. That's our Oakley spotlight for today and the spotlight's going to stay on the position of quarterback for the entire season <laughs> we'll see it's going to stay there we'll move it around to some other people as we go along here hopefully so that is oh, the oakley hopefully it won't be kicker <laughs> i god i hope not oh my god hopefully zane gonzalez just lights it up and is good to go <laughs> no 49ers quarterback Likely a new week one starter this year if Brock Purdy is healthy. All things trending in that direction. But it's not a sure thing because Trey Lance could also be the starter in week one, which he was last season as well. That's our Oakley Spotlight of the Week. Please visit oakley.com and get your pair. I'm telling at some point, I'm going to buy a pair of Citrus. I'm going on oakley.com to buy a Citrus. That's happening. I'm manifesting it. Yeah. I'm manifesting what I'm going to do with, with my money. I can't yeah. wait. Um, I would love some. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 
6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Also, did we see matching ones? Did we? Sure. For yeah. the golf course? I love that for us. Um, did we skip a position that we had gone through in the in the breakdown before jumping to the segment? I know I I was the one pushing for the the Oakley segment, but I, looking at my notes, I think we skipped a position. No, the Oakley segment was strategically placed there. Okay, great. Our Oakley spotlight of the week was strategically placed to get us into the other positions that may or may not have new week one starters this year. I think there's only one we haven't talked about. Bang, bang. I have three. Oh. Okay. Well, what's free... your position? I feel like I'm missing something now. What's your position? You start. Free free safety. Yeah, that's one of my three questionable ones. Okay. Because they may or may not have a new starter there. Yeah. I kind of think. Continue. So they like Jair Brown for his tape, right? right? Like, he's not really a project. He's played a lot of football. He's coming in. Like, probably ready to go, particularly mm-hmm. for a third round pick. Like, you're not, you're not going to, he's not the type of prospect that you're like, oh, he's super raw. You're like, he's a great athlete, but he's super yeah. raw. It's like, no, he's not the best athlete, but man, his tape is awesome and he just makes plays. I definitely think there's a question about whether he can step in and play multiple spots the way Jimmy Ward kind of did for them. Sure where he can play near the line, but he can also play deep. I think there's there were some times when you watch him where he just like flies past tacklers in the or, or ball carriers in the open field. And that may be something that they need to coach out of him a little bit. But other than that, I think you're right. Skill set wise or or physical tools wise, he's got everything. It's just a matter of are they comfortable putting him in the slot on one play to cover a receiver and then having him play single high on the next snap. Deshaun Gibson's going to be 33 in August. Correct. Which is really humbling because he's only a week older than I am. Yeah, you're young. Um, so, I don't know, man. Like, Tayshawn Gibson had a really good year. He mm-hmm. played good football. Mm-hmm. He was a starter on the best defense in the league. I'm just leery of assuming that he's going to continue to play at that level and not be exposed for his lack of speed. Or if even, you know, with the new defensive scheme, can he get away with not having the speed with the new coordinator as opposed to the surrounding mm-hmm. pieces and scheme he had with D'Amico Ryans? Right. Adding athleticism to the back end of your secondary is never like a bad idea. Right. So I just, you know, like the 40, the the whole thing with the 49ers defense is like their predicate, like take away the big plays. If you have to go on a scoring drive, make it a 15 play drive with a bunch of short passes. We'll give you those. We think over the, over the entirety of a game, you're not going to be able to string together enough 15 play touchdown drives to beat us. Right. But when you do give up big plays and when you have a free safety who isn't particularly fast, 
then maybe that defense isn't going to be as effective. So right. that that's where I'm at with Deshaun Gibson. Like, is it is he going to continue to play at a high level, or is that just kind of a one year blip? And did they feel urgency to trade up to go get a guy in round three who they feel like can start and potentially provide an upgrade right away mm-hmm. because your incumbent safety to Sean Gibson is turning 33 and wasn't particularly fast to begin with. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Tayshawn Gibson is the starter for now, but I think there's going to be a feeling out period with Brown where what can he do? What can't he do? How well does he take coaching? They'll try him at all this different stuff with the twos to start out camp. But you're right. If it's clear that, hey, he can do all this stuff, he's ready to go, they're not going to have him sit behind Tayshawn freaking Gibson because Tayshawn's the incumbent. Like he's, he, he was considering retiring this offseason. You know, I mean, it, it's. He was a street free agent in August. Right. Last he year. Was a, he was a camp body to get them through their last preseason game. And he just happened to play well enough to earn a spot. And Jimmy Ward was hurt. And then he just kept playing well. And so that's why, like, you bring him back because you have a new defensive coordinator. He can help install the defense. He's a veteran. He's been around. He knows what he's doing. And if Jair Brown comes in and really struggles out of the gate, then, hey, you have a player that you know can start. But if Brown comes in and is the player they believe him to be, the player that they traded up for, then, yeah, he's going to go be the starter. I'm with you. Lily's been uh she vibing? She she's really into the safety conversation too. No, she's one of those dogs where like I'll look over at her. What kind of dog? It's a uh it's a it's a lab mix, like a golden lab. I think there's husky mix. She was a rescue. Um incredibly sweet dog. I love her to death. I love that. She's the type that so I I kind of just have her in my office while I'm recording. She's the type, if you look over and make eye contact, she reacts. Oh. <laughs> so she'll I'm like, that same way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like looking oh, over, hey. ch- checking on her. She gets up, runs over to me, and then goes back to the door, like clearly wants out of the <laughs> office. But we're uh, we're recording a pod, Lils. This is just how it's going to be. I can, for- I can vamp for a minute if you want to go let her out. <laughs> no, we're good. This is a pro-dog podcast. We're, we're, I think we're good. She's... Uh, she she's a she's a veteran in this game, so I think she'll 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 figure it out. No, now she's going to the golf bag, sniffing around. It's a great play that play. Come here, it's great. She's a very good dog. Very good dog. Official dog of Candlestick Chronicles, Lily, the <laughs> yellow lab husky mix rescue. Yeah. Last two. I don't know if you'll agree with me on these, but. I want to throw them out there and see what you think. Sure. So the podcast is for outside corner is in another position. I think the 49ers could have a new starter this year. Could. So Chavarius my... Ward, Chavarius Ward's going to have one spot. Mm-hmm. Let me get through this thing. Chavarius Ward's going to have one spot. Like that's locked down. But we're penciling in Diamador Lenore as the starter opposite him. And Lenore was excellent in the playoffs. Two interceptions, no touchdowns allowed. I think I get 21.8 passer rating on 13 targets. It was awesome. But he also had a really up and down regular season. There were games where you forgot he was on the field because he was just playing really well. And then there were other games where he really got picked on. The Raiders game, 
the Cardinals picked on him a little bit in, in the last game of the season. Those those two weeks were, were pretty rough for him. But he was good enough to be the front runner to start. And the options behind him aren't super inspiring. It's Ambry Thomas, who fell out of favor last year, and Darrell Luter is a fifth-round rookie. But I'm also not ready to just say, yeah, Diamond Lenore is the starter, put it in pen, He's ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, so you remember Lenore was playing nickel corner at a pretty high level before he had to move outside when Manuel Mosley got hurt. Yeah. Looking at it, the 49ers don't have a ton of cornerback depth. Mm -hmm. So I don't know who you who you're looking like, who you would look at and say, oh, yeah, that guy could start over Lenore. Because I don't see, I don't see who that person would be. Like maybe Luter comes in and is just nails from the jump, but he's a fifth round pick and a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe Ambry Thomas bounces back. I don't know. You know, I think the big, the big knock on on Ambry Thomas, frankly, is like how much is he committed to making himself better? Sure. Away from the facility, like is he a mm-hmm. guy that's grinding in the off season to to get better, and does he really really value that? And th- we know how the 49ers feel about players who don't do that, right? Like if you're yeah. if you're that dude who's not really putting in the work in the off season, Kyle Shanahan's like, hey man, enjoy the doghouse. Like, it's, right, you're going to be there until otherwise, till noted otherwise. I'm also not going to rule out Sam Womack playing outside. Okay, no, just to just to your point, just to your point. I'm not saying Diomedo Lenore's starting job is in imminent danger. It's just not one that I am ready to say. I'm certain that Diomedo Lenore is the starting cornerback for the 49ers this year. Yeah, I would say like Womack is probably the guy that you would potentially figure to be his chief competition. Sure. The Embry Thomas thing, I can't shake how good he was at the end of his rookie season. And yeah. maybe the fact that he fell off entirely last year is indicative of the direction he's heading. But I can't I can't rid myself of the idea that he uses that as a wake-up call and puts in work this offseason and steps in in camp and looks like a different player. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not yeah. ruling it out. I mean, the 49ers would certainly love it. He was a third-round pick, so yeah, they have they have high hopes for him. The last one is right guard. And again, same kind of deal with Spencer Burford. He was a rotational right guard last year. He started all 16 games he played, but he was being rotated in with Daniel Brunskill or rotated out with Daniel Brunskill. And he was fine for for the most part. Maybe he takes a jump in his second year and he's good to go. But again, I wouldn't be shocked if he struggles a little bit and John Feliciano gets the first team reps and just kind of holds down the position and winds up starting. That's fair. I think Burford's going to be good. I think. Sure. He was a rookie. I think he had like a pretty good rookie season, but it was one of those seasons where it wasn't like, Oh man, this guy was awesome as a rookie, but there were signs where it was like, I think he like built a good foundation for what he could be. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he's he's a good athlete. I think he moves well. I think he has the physical traits you'd want. Um, and you know, I, I like 
just talking to him. Well, we got we got Lily jumping at the door now. She's really trying to get out of here. She uh, hates right guard dog. She's out on this one. She was all in on quarterbacks. She's and not safety, a right guard but, dog. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really. <laughs> but um, hopefully my house isn't getting broken. Right hey, don't hey don't rule out Spencer Burford moving to right tackle. Oh, interesting. That's that's a take. I, it's not. It's not that's a take. That is a, okay. I don't think that's the thing the Forty Niners are planning doing. Um, but yeah, no, I think Burford is, I think he could, he's on the right trajectory. I think he could be above average. Like, you know, Aaron Banks had like no rookie year and then ended up being pretty good. Right. Burford had a better rookie year than Banks did. And pick one. If, if I told you for sure that one of left guard, right guard or center is going to have a new starter this year, who would you pick? I mean, it wouldn't be crazy if if John Feliciano beat out Jake Brendel, would it? They just give him a four year contract. Yeah, I guess. Jason Poe, future center, future fullback, H back. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I no, think... I think I, I I like I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily bet that Spencer Burford's not the starting right guard. I just I think he was a little bit up and down last year. Sure. Which is, I think, part of the reason he was a rotational player at right guard, which is insane. But I just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah. But to that point, it's a lot like corner where there's no there's no like hot shot rookie or free agent or anything pushing Spencer Burford necessarily. Right. So that's okay. where I land on that. I'm gonna let this dog out. You go do that. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, big shout out to our new sponsor, Oakley. We appreciate the hell out of them. And have for a long time, like I said, I've been wearing the sunglasses forever. Still wear them now. And even like when I walk around, I'll wear them on my hat like I used to with baseball because I'm still chasing that feeling. Just wear them on your hat, not even on your face? No, I'll put them on my face. But when I walk inside, when I like walk into a room, I'll put them on top of my hat. Got it. I mean, it is like a cool I, like look. A, I'm just. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I had them when I was a catcher. Like, I never needed them. I, you know? Anyway. Uh, so, shout out to Oakley. Make sure to visit oakley.com. We appreciate everybody. And I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to order a pair of suits for I'm going to post a photo of them on the internet. Great. I'm really excited about it. Yes. Absolutely. Subscribe, rate, review. Visit oakley.com. Thanks, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.